Hola, mi gente. I am so excited to welcome you to the Hello Latino podcast. I'm Jasmine, or you can call me by my first name, Odalis. Call me whichever you prefer. I love both my names, and I'll be your host. This podcast is a platform for us Latinos to tell our story and share all of the unique, emotional, and empowering experiences that come with being a Latino in America. Before I tell you a little bit about me and about this project, shameless plug, connect with me on IG at O-H-J-4-A-S-M-I-N-E or Twitter at Odalis Jasmine. Okay, so now the juicy stuff. It honestly feels so surreal that this project is coming to life. So I want to thank the people who've supported me and motivated me and were a part of the entire process and podcast creation. First, thank you to mi amiga Perla Serrano for this logo. The intentionality behind every detail is amazing. Thank you to my 15-year-old little primo, AJ Ashton, for the sick beat. I could listen to it forever. And thank you to Caleb, the producer behind the scenes, for making this project a reality. So here's what you can expect from Hella Latino. One, real and authentic conversations with Latinos I know and I adore and am totally inspired by. They'll share their Latino experience, their story, and hopefully you'll be on the other end nodding and snapping and also have some tangible takeaways from every conversation. You can also expect a lot of next-gen stories. So whether you're an immigrant who came to the U.S. or you're a daughter or son of an immigrant, I personally consider you a first-generation American. Beyond Latinos, us first-gen peeps, we deal with a lot of new experiences without guidance. My hope is to let you, the audience, know, one, you're not alone, and two, there's beauty in our grind. The third thing, Hello Latino is a platform for all Latino communities. Being born and raised in San Diego, California, when I was younger, I always felt misrepresented. I was always asked, do you speak Mexican or you look and sound Mexican? And I remember I used to get so upset. I would be like, no, I'm Hondureña. And they'd be like, what? What's that? And I mean, I don't, looking back now, I don't blame them. I didn't see a lot of Honduran representation outside of my family circle. And I'm certainly not the only Latina who's ever felt misrepresented like that. So my hope is to sit down and talk with Latinos of all communities and all cultures, because each one is so beautiful. Okay, so now a little bit about me. Soy Hondureña, Catracha, and I'm a baby of eight children. <laughs> I'm not a baby anymore, but I'm the baby of eight children. My brother and I, we're the youngest of the family, and we were born in San Diego. And no, not surfer San Diego, like the hood San Diego. If you're familiar, I grew up in Encanto area on Imperial Avenue and went to school in Oak Park neighborhood. My brother Patrick and I were the only ones who were U.S. citizens in the family of undocumented immigrants. Now, we didn't know what that meant at the time. It's not like we saw ourselves that way or we had a giant sticker on our forehead that said U.S. citizen. But the older I got and the more experiences I had, I realized how much opportunity we did have. And now at this point in my life, I truly love and embrace the irony, the twists, the turns of my own story. So I went from being a low-income ESL student from the San Diego hood to a college-educated professional communicator and storyteller in the Bay Area. So really quick, I want to unpack that with you. This is low-key kind of therapeutic for me too. So one, being low-income, I never even met anyone who went to college growing up. I didn't even know that was an option. 
I went to Carver Elementary School. At the time, it was a K through eight, and it was known as one of the most poorly funded elementary schools in San Diego County. I mean, I thought learning from old textbooks held together by duct tape was completely normal, or sharing every crayon, book, and material with other students was just how school was. Then I went to Helix and Helix High School, and, and man, my world was flipped upside down. I got my first F that freshman year, but don't tell mommy because I don't know if she knows that. And then my brother, who's a couple years older than me, Patrick, he was accepted and attended San Jose State. He was truly my first example. So I followed in his footsteps because who else could I follow? And I still remember the day I got accepted to San Jose State too. I high-key cried. Half joy because not a lot of people had that opportunity and I knew that. But the other half of me was just scared. I remember venting to my parents and telling them I didn't know how I was going to pay for college. We didn't have money for it, but as us Latinos do, we figured it out. I figured it out. I reached out to the guy that helped my brother get into college and he helped me apply for loans, grants, the whole shebang. Until this day, I'm so grateful for Tony Garcia for all his mentorship and guidance. He's truly the reason I'm here. All right, the second thing to unpack, being an ESL student, English is second language. And I have to preface this, I spoke English, but I also spoke Spanish. So I've been fluent in Spanglish since I can talk. And that was tough in school, having to only speak English. I said words funny. I didn't know how to say certain stuff in English. So I was an ESL student all through elementary school. And I remember hating and dreading the moment I had to get pulled out of class by a tutor. I could still feel my heart dropping to the pit of my stomach when the tutor would say, I'm here for Jasmine. And I felt so embarrassed walking from my seat, all eyes on me, and onto the hallway. So I struggled so much. English did not come easy to me. But maybe it's because I put in so much effort to be good at it, I low-key developed a passion for it. And you know, growing up in a musical family probably had a lot to do with that too. I was always in love with music. Fun fact, I was in a mariachi band and took voice lessons from my dad. But I started to also fall in love with the stories behind the music, the lyrics. So I remember applying to college and not knowing what I wanted to major in. And my brother, in his kind way, he was like, fool, just do PR. I have some friends who are in it. You're kind of like them. Just do it. I remember I had no idea what public relations was, but... Because he said it, I majored in anyway, and little did I know it was going to change my life. So there's a lot that happened in between San Diego and the Bay Area. But the biggest, probably most pivotal, redefining moment of my life was experiencing homelessness. In 2008, we were evicted from our condo. We had to move everything into storage units, and we ended up losing all that too. Our instruments, 18 years worth of memories, photo books, clothes, my brother's art creations, you name it, we lost it. All we had were our cars, some suitcases, and each other. We spent months living in friends' homes, our expedition and truck. Some people opened their doors and others closed them, but we found love and togetherness in those moments because as cheesy as it sounds, that's really all we had. My dad, he... He's the jokester of the family, and he always tried to keep the humor alive during those moments. 
whenever we had to sleep in the park, he'd be like, we're staying in the best hotel in San Diego, the Million Star Hotel. And for me, I... I didn't quite understand how we got to that place. You know, one moment we had everything and the other, it was just gone. I saw my parents destroyed and in tears most days. I saw my brother's frustration, my sister's anxiety, and everyone just completely out of their element. And in those moments of observations, I started to see life for what it was. It was hard. It was a struggle. And being low income and undocumented, that brought hella challenges and the resources were slim. I remember one moment at the park, my brother Enzo, he's the artist of the family. He was sketching in his book per usual. I sat next to him because little sister, I was obsessed with my brothers. I wanted to be just like them. And I asked him for a piece of paper because I wanted to draw too. And I quickly realized I have no future in art. I don't know how to draw. And so I did the next best thing. I started writing and I started entering into my own fantasy and writing down my observations, what I was feeling. I let everything I didn't feel comfortable saying. And I put it on that paper. I keep this moment in mind every day because it literally fuels me. Like my mom always says, she says, Ponte pilas. you know, life doesn't stop. So I keep going. I hustle. And I think that's truly the Latino way. I work hard every day because my parents, two Hondurans who came to America 29 years ago without knowing a lick of English, but chased opportunity and change. I work hard for my older brothers and sisters who were undocumented and denied opportunities because of a box they couldn't check off. And I work harder for every scrappy first generation Latino American beside me and behind me who thinks the story is written for them. I now use my personal platform to authentically share my Latina and first-generation narratives so others can be proud of their scrappy roots too. I work for a marketing communications agency called Connext, and one of my favorite parts of my job is the pro bono work I get to do with students. So I lead storytelling and personal branding workshops at college campuses around the Bay Area, and I coach others on how to embrace everything buried below the surface and use that as fuel. I tell the specific story in all of my storytelling workshops. And man, I mean, something amazing always happens. Because once that vulnerability is out there, people feel safe enough and empowered enough to also tell their story. So let's fast track to now, to 2020, the year that shook every plan up for all of us. I thought I'd be traveling to Miami, to Cabo, but alas, La Cuarentena had other plans for us. But it's high-key been a blessing for me. I've had all this time to pause, re-energize, and reflect on what I wanted to do next. And I keep, I kept thinking about how much I miss those storytelling workshops. But I thought even more than that, like, how can I tell more stories? How can I lift up my Latino and first-generation community to embrace and tell theirs? Like, how can I use this time? Then the universe, God... I got sent these little signs that pointed me in this direction. First, it all started when I watched Latin History for Morons on Netflix by John Leguizamo. And man, I was low-key obsessed with it. I watched it with my parents and we had this like deep and dope discussion about our ancestors, our history, about Honduras. Then I got even more obsessed and went down this, you know how it goes, this internet spiral of learning about our Latino roots and reading books and et cetera, et cetera. And learning about our roots, 
it gave me this new sense of pride. But it also brought a lot of anger and sadness that we had all these beautiful things that were part of our culture and it was taken away from us, from our ancestors. And then they were written out of history. The second sign was I read this nonfiction book called Dominicana about this Dominican girl who moved to New York. And there was this one moment that really shook me, that really brought me to tears. It's when she walks her little brother to school and he's terrified. He like begged her, don't let me go in there. He didn't know any English. She was scared. And the reason it brought me to tears was because that's exactly what my older brothers and sisters experienced, yet they've never shared that experience with me before, and I've never asked them. So then the last sign, I had this leadership meeting via Zoom, and at one point we had to share our story. So I did, and this girl on the call, after I shared, she directly messaged me on Zoom, and she was like, oh my God, my husband, he's Mexican. He also had a very similar experience as you. And then we had this like really dope conversation about it after. So after all these signs, I was like, dude, our community has so many stories and experiences to share. It could literally inspire so many people. And for so long, Latinos have been written out of history or we feel like the narrative was written for us. We still have all these stereotypes working against us. So why not? Why not bring these stories to light and change the narrative? And that was the birth of Hello Latino, this podcast for us Latinos and first-generation Americans to authentically share our side of the story, our experiences, show the beauty in our Latino upbringing, our cultures, and the beauty in our adversities. And let me tell you, it's about time we have a platform to openly and vulnerably talk about this. So join us and learn be inspired by our Latino brothers and sisters. Get your cafecito, semita, tres leches, whatever you prefer, and enjoy these stories. <laughs>